Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Take the Black Live, the one and only show on the internet for all things House of the Dragon, Lord of the Rings, sci-fi, fantasy, movies, TV, etc. and so forth. I am Dan Suck, the editor of I'm here with Interim, the other editor And we are here to talk through some things uh, that are various and sundry. And I will tell yes. you, off the, top of the, off the top of the show, we are doing Sunday shows where we dedicate just the entire hour to House of the Dragon. And I'm glad to see you commenters are in it and liking it. Christine thinks House of the Dragon is amazing. I love to do much that I don't care anymore about the ROP. Uh, I'm glad you like House of the Dragon, but just to give you a little primer, our Sunday 9.30 p.m. uh, CST shows are gonna be all House of the Dragon and these normal Wednesday at 4 p.m. shows, we'll talk about House of the Dragon. We're also gonna do some other stuff going on in the general dork space. And hello, Julie, hello, Saul. Good to see everybody here. And Daniel, good to see you too. How have you been since uh, Sunday show? I've been good. It's been so long, you know, since that Sunday show when we saw House of the Dragon. So I'm holding up. I'm doing a, a bit better than most of the people in Westeros, I think. So I'll count that Not as hard. a win. Low bar. How, how have you been holding up in this surreal week? It is a little surreal to be back doing this. I mean, the last time uh, the, 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 yeah. the, that that I was going this hard on Westeros stuff, it was 2019. You know, the yeah. Bears had just won the pennant. Um, the JFK was still fresh in our minds and just, it was a different time and the pandemic hadn't happened and it was just, um, it's cool to be back in it. And so far people really seem to be responding because when we talked about it on Sunday, we watched it and we responded immediately with our thoughts, our incredible thoughts. Since then, we've got a chance to take the temperature of the room a bit and people seem to really have enjoyed this premiere House of the Dragon episode. It got good marks across the board it seemed like the critics yeah. liked it. And more importantly, the fans took to it. You can tell by how many memes kind of exploded around it. There was a lot of enthusiasm with people. It kind yeah. of is. Like, if you get people <laughs> sharing and resharing funny little things. Don't tell Morbius that's the gauge. They'll put it back in theaters. I, I mean, there are <laughs> exceptions. There's one Matt Smith thing, another Matt Smith thing. It's got to be a confluence. Oh, fair. But... I mean, yeah. you sensed it, right? That there was a just general positive vibe in the room. Folk were talking about theories. Folk were saying like, here's yeah. what it looked like Game of Thrones versus Cast the Dragon. I definitely picked up a lot of a positive buzz for the show after that episode in the days to come, the days afterward. Yeah, I have too. I think most of the responses I've seen have been pretty positive. I think the main negative or uncertain ones I've seen are kind of the ones revolving around how brutal the the scene with Emma Aaron 
mm-hmm. was and what that portends for the show in terms of its treatment of women characters. That's kind of the, the biggest running criticism narrative that I've seen for the show since it premiered. And I think that's a fair one. It's also the, the literal point of the show. So I, I'll be curious to see how that conversation evolves because that's what the show's literally about. But as a as a whole, though, yeah, it's been a very positive response. Seems like everyone's happy to be back in Westeros. I know we are. And I think it earned it. Like, I've seen that criticism, too. And that's the old kind of philosophical question, right? Like, is it appropriate to show violence when your show is about violence and you are critiquing it and trying to say something about it or is showing it in and of itself um, some kind of endorsement of it? I would argue the first but I get why someone would say the second. But so far, I, th- I-, I thought that was justified. And of course, we've seen more of it. And we can't wait to talk about it more with you guys on Sundays. I see people are commenting. I'm glad you guys enjoyed yes. it, too. Julie really loved the connection. They're totally. between Renera and Arya. They definitely have. They Definitely. Renera is a strong-willed young woman, giving Arya meets Daenerys vibes. Uh, Christine... Yeah, <laughs> Christina is right. People did laugh about the cast. Shut up. Cast is amazing. OMG, especially yeah. Matt Smith. It Folks is. laughed about Matt Smith a bunch, just like he seemed a little wrong. And I'm going to say he's probably the breakout so far. I think he'll probably he'll continue to do that. It helps that he's playing the character yeah. who is the kind of um, rabble rouser, troublemaker, charis- totally. charismatic guy when he's on the screen. Yeah, I think Millie Alcock and Patty Considine are going to give him a yeah. run for his money this season. That's true. I was really, I've been pleasantly impressed and surprised with Millie Alcock. I think she is really killing it as young Rhaenyra. I'm going to miss her when they age the characters up. I love how you're phrasing that as if you don't already know what it's going to be like, because you, Daniel, has seen all six episodes. You've seen what happens when they get to the older versions. I have not. I'm still going to go up on that. And I stand by it. I'll I'll miss them (laughs) when that day comes again. You do. (laughs) Yes, you will miss them again. You do miss them right now. I'm glad to rewatch. Some things going up. It was a big success. It was watched by 10 million households across HBO and HBO Max, which is the biggest Uh, premiere in HBO's history. Twice the same day viewership of the Stranger Things season four premiere. They've got to be happy about that, obviously. Yeah, that's what that's like five times the viewership of the Game of Thrones, the original show's premiere. So that's right around the sweet spot in the middle of its run that I think they were hoping for. I mean, this one did also cost, it had to be probably over five times with that one cost. There were some of those, like one of our big popular blowups were like a side-by-side of like that kind of rinky-dink tourney from season one, where it was like on a dirt road and then the giant Coliseum thing, which really did pound home. Uh, TV has changed like war and yeah, uh, yes. we are living in a new era. Also just a note, apparently the episode did crash for people, but mostly using Amazon fire sticks. I'm just going to say conspiracy, conspiracy afoot, conspiracy. <laughs> it's got, was yeah, Amazon, totally. Was Amazon hey, crashing the show on purpose like, that's the because case. they have the rings yeah. of power coming out? Maybe yes, they were. I think so. <laughs> because it's more like the fun affirmative that answer. way. <laughs> It'll add to the le- it, will, it, 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 it will add to the legend of it. What else we got going on here? Um, okay, if you're wondering, uh, you might have been wondering about why the small council, whenever they go into their room, they put little marbles in dishes. Apparently, it's yeah. because they thought it was fun. Yeah, pretty much. The set designers came up with it because they thought it was cool. And then Ryan Condal was like, you know what? That is pretty cool. We're going to keep that. It's kind of like the small councils punching in to work like modern day workers. It's a thing viewers can relate to. And it shows the formality of the time. 
There's one thing I, I love about the marbles that I noticed. So when they're not eating, the marbles sit on a big raised dish in the center of the table. And <laughs> like if you go candy. back and watch, yeah, pretty much. If you go back and watch the small council scenes, there's one marble that's always on that dish because Damon doesn't come to the meetings usually. <laughs> okay. So his marble is just hanging out in the middle of the table. I thought that was fun. Part of me wants to say that, like, look, there's like five of you in there. You don't need marbles. But I guess I can get behind the argument that it's like an earlier, more decadent time where ritual counts for more. I can go with that. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, some great counts are coming in. Christine, I, I, I agree with Christine, who says in a few scenes, in a few minutes, you get who they were. Those great characters, such nuance. I admire the good job the writers yeah. have made in the first episode. It, wa- it, it was so Sorry. important to get everything quickly and they really did succeed at that like i got who those people were i got what they wanted and honestly that's from a premiere that's kind of all i want like if i get who they are and what they want i'm 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 pretty much set and the horrific botch c-section was just gravy uh in a really inappropriate kind of gravy on top of it that was m- more of a climactic moment it it, it definitely yeah. was direct easy to understand and that's so so important so good for them now i want them to kind of add some flair to it now i want them to start peacocking around yeah i was worried about how easy it would be to understand all these different dynamics and i think they did a, a great job of getting them all across i loved damon eavesdropping on the small council yo that was cute yeah yeah and and uh king viserys being like he doesn't have the patience for the throne and then you see damon laugh and it's like there are all these really great dynamics and things people wouldn't say when someone else is in the room yeah they've just done a great job and i see lch jeremy asking too did the show confirm that the marbles are just decorative because those were used for voting back in the day um so i don't know about the the ties to like voting methods but they did confirm that it's something that the set designers thought of. They didn't talk about where they got the idea, but basically as a way of signaling, I'm here, I'm ready to start. I'm ready to give opinions basically on the small council. So yeah, I'd be, I wonder if they'll explain more about the, the small council's little marbles. We'll find out in the days ahead. I guess I'm curious about that too. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I have a question for you, Daniel. So here's an interesting little um, filmic comparison for you to needle over. What do you make of the idea that House of the Dragon is doing to Game of Thrones kind of what the Star Wars prequels did to the original Star Wars trilogy in setting this new one at a time of a bit of increased decadence where things are a little more calm and peaceful and sterile, where Mm -hmm. everything's a bit cleaner. Everything is, um, yeah, just that. And then there's um, a pod racing or tourney um, on horse fast, fast set 
piece to set everything off. That yeah, is kind of I fun. think I hope that happens. Give, give us a dragon race. That'd be fun. Or a horse I race. Think, one of those. Yeah, I think that's an apt comparison. I think I've even heard Ryan Condal make that comparison. Really? Because, yes. And I think it's extremely spot on. Like, I don't know if it will change the perception of the original series in the way that the Star Wars prequels did for the original movies, because those are about the villain of the original movies. So it, it, they're more directly tied together. Whereas this is hundreds of years earlier, but I think, you know, we heard so much about the Targaryen dynasty. We never really got to see it. And now we're seeing it, what it was like at its best, basically, or at its best about to return to its worst. (laughs) So it's very similar to the Star Wars prequels in that way, because, you know, you were always hearing about the Jedi. The Jedi were so great. They were beacons of light and justice in the galaxy. Things were generally better. And then you get to see what that looks like. And like you said, it's a more decadent time. You know, it's a more pristine and clean time compared to the postmodern kind of used future of the original Star Wars movies. Yeah. And Game of Thrones did that, too, in terms of seeing like, you know, the the dynasty's over. So now it's everyone that's left kind of scrabbling at each other's throats for what power they can seize. So, yeah, I think that's a good comparison. I do, too. I mean, of course, um, when a lot of folks think of Star Wars prequels, they think one of the first big backlashes to a piece of media, like maybe the backlash that all future backlashes were based on. And so far, none of that. So I'm hoping that uh, maybe it's 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 the dream of the Star Wars prequels realized in House of the Dragon in a way. I'll go with that. Yeah, I hope so. Jay's got a, an interesting question here. I'm going to pitch this one your way. What? Yeah, what did you think of the Song of Ice and Fire dream scene? So when Viserys is telling Rhaenyra, mm-hmm. you know, we have this kingly, queenly burden. He says he thought it was a bit cringy with the up-close on the dagger. Mm-hmm. What, are, what are your thoughts? I didn't think it was cringy. I get what they're doing. I do get what you're saying, Jay, about the up-close on the dagger. And just like, it's hard for a character to say, his was a song of ice and fire for me to not go, oh, you said the name. What would he do for you? And yeah. like, yeah, feel a bit of taken out, but I get it. I get what they're trying to do. And it just depends on whether they actually use that information in a way that actually motivates the characters or not. Because if it's there to toss you a little winky bone, no, yeah, that slam's kind of cringy. But if that information becomes <sighs> important and influences folk in a psychological way, I'm down with it. I get it. It wasn't my favorite part of the episode, but I got it and I was okay with it. Yeah. Yeah. I felt the same. Oh, man, it's hard. It's hard to talk about this because yeah, I is. have seen ahead. Why? Why is it? Why is um, that? Daniel? Say, the, the things you you are cringing about. I'd be curious to see, Jay, if you still feel that way after you see a few more episodes. That's all I'll say. I, I like that scene more now that I've oh, seen it a few times and seen later episodes. So Daniel I, has a, all is, the secrets. I do. I have I have the secret tea. I think that is a daring thing for them to do, to bring in the Song of Ice and Fire that way and kind of try to define what the Song of Ice and Fire is, because that's not something we've ever really seen in the books where George was like, this is where the title comes from. We've gotten a few mentions of it. You know, Rhaegar in that one vision that Danny has in the House of the Undying, say, um, looking at his son and saying his he is the prince who was promised his will be the song of ice and fire. That's kind of the closest thing we've gotten to. Rhaegar knew. 
Because Rhaegar knew about this. He found it. Yeah, which is a curious question. Did he know about this dream? Oh, yeah. I, that's the kind of stuff I can't confirmed. wait to fully, fully confirmed. You know, George R. R. Martin has it in a notebook somewhere. I'm curious to see what they do with that for sure. I mean, again, if this goes well, we might actually we, we might get Duncan Egg show and learn it. I bet, you know, that we would have had it confirmed if George R. R. Martin had his way because he said in an interview this week that uh, if he had had his way, that I were saying that Game of Thrones needs to be 10 seasons at least, and maybe 12, 13. I lost that fight. And he said that he has more influence yeah. in House of the Dragon than he does in Game of Thrones. Basically saying that if he had up to him, he would have made it 10, 12, 13 seasons, which I have no doubt is true, because we're talking about a man who has filled just these giant door-stopping books full of so much detail that might be too much at times. Yeah, I'm not surprised at all. He wanted to go 12, 13 seasons. Personally, yeah. uh, not really so much into that, but TV's a compromise. Life is a compromise. Yeah. Um, you want this <laughs> many. TV are compromises. Exactly. Uh, you, you you want this much TV and then the producers are like, well, Maisie Williams would be like 30 by then and can't play a 14 year old. Yeah. So we'll give you this much and you have to deal with it. Yeah, I do not. I did not want 10 seasons of Game of Thrones, maybe nine I, or like eight and a half. I could, yeah, I could have gotten behind nine. I would have been curious to see what they did with 10. I think they would have run into danger of wearing out their welcome at that point. But I think mm. I would have loved to have seen a little more. So like full seasons for seven and eight, maybe. And then maybe yeah. a nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that, it, that's what so I wanted. There was another, there was another interesting thing in that interview. I think it was that interview that that quotes from where he talked about how he met with David Benioff and Dan Weiss about the future of the, story. the Song of Ice and Fire and his ideas and where things are going. And he said, we only had a few days, so I didn't really get to tell them everything. <laughs> that's basically what he said. And I was like, how does that how, uh, That's not something I've ever seen him say before that like, I, I would have maybe told them more if we had taken more time. Um, so yeah, I... I just, I, I'm so curious. What are the things he didn't tell them that he already knew at that point? You know, were things like this Aegon Song of Ice and Fire dream, one of them, or is that something that the show, this new show is really running with? Um, because we know Targaryens were dreamers. Some of them did have yes. prophetic dreams. So there, there's a lot of gray area here where we don't quite know what's what. Um, but yeah, I think I think we can all agree 13 seasons of Game of Thrones would have probably been too much. It is a curious, just there's never been something like this where this property has been adapted in this way, where it's still being written and it's still being adapted to this day right now and changing and yeah. morphing and finding out new things in new ways. It's just, it's, it's a fascinating lesson adaptation. Someone created a thesis on this. Um, I also yeah. like Christine's comment, Christine Brainin. The prophecy changes our point of view about the struggles for the Iron Throne. It is not only the struggle for selfish power. They feel invested in a great mission, which I agree. But Christine, let's keep in mind that when you feel invested in a great mission and um, have kind of a zealotous zeal for it's been bigger than yourself, it can lead you, I think, to um, think that the little people in the details don't really matter. And you can end up doing something because you feel you must and you are kind of sacredly blessed to do it. It takes you to a very dark horrible place because there's no one more dangerous than a true believer. Yes. <laughs> Be, beware true believers. Okay. Before we move yeah. on from the house, of the dragon stuff, I have one more thing I wanted to hit. And that was sure. that Ryan Condal show on house, of the dragon is talking about 
we ha- we touched on it earlier, sort of the potential future of the Game of Thrones cinematic universe, which may sure. or may not come to <laughs> fruition after this show. We'll see how House of the Dragon does. It's been one episode. It's not going to have of ourselves. But he's basically saying, as a fan, yeah. I think the world of Westeros universe is just as rich as the Marvel universe or the Star Wars universe. I think there are plenty of stories left to tell, but we're at the very beginning, whereas Marvel and Star Wars have decades of content and characters built up over time. It's our job to establish that interest and explore the world a little more and get people intrigued to ask, where else can you go with this world? And then a producer said that we're not trying to set up any spinoff with House of the Dragon. And just, you know, I'm torn as I ever am between my (laughs) reflexive distaste for um, torn. It, it 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 is worn ragged between my reflexive distaste for pretty much th- th- this kind of new age of um sprawling corporate shared universes where it can't be special and it can't be as good as possible because it has to get you on to the next thing i think we're seeing that with marvel a lot now especially now where everything just doesn't feel as cool or interesting and i mean my uh desire to see good stories told especially good stories in the fantasy space so so far they've done a good job of keeping it subtle or at least uh not exploding all over us and not giving us way too much and i just hope they keep going in that direction yeah me too i mean i i'm not really I have the same reflexive reaction of like, oh no, not another cinematic universe because you hear, so everyone is trying to do this because it's been so successful for Marvel and Marvel did it in a very specific way that worked for comic stories that they were interweaving and they had all this experience with that for a while. Yeah, for a while. (laughs) And now it's getting kind of overburdened because they're flooding us with content. Star Wars is trying to do it with questionable success, I think. I don't know what a GOTCU, I don't know. It hurts me even to say that. You said it, you said it. I said it. I do think it's funny though, because uh, that producer, and I think she's one of the writers on the show as well, Sarah Sarah Hess, Hess. we weren't consciously trying to launch the new Westeros universe. We didn't seed anything in this show for other series, but but the Uh season premiere did kind of very subtly set up one of their other spinoffs, which is Nymeria. They have a spinoff in development for 10,000 ships, which is about Nymeria's journey from the River Rhoyne, where she goes to Sothorios and eventually ends up in Westeros. They talked about that, and it was small enough that it's not like, look at you guys getting us set up for the next show. It wasn't like that at all, but it was the most detailed little accounting of Nymeria's journey that we it's like four sentences but it's the most detailed we've gotten on the Game of Thrones like cinematic universe yet so um whether they mean to or not they are seeding in some things and I don't hate it I'm glad you said that because I have a counterpoint and disagree with you I thought about this earlier I mean with it does intention matter because look like Shireen before she got burned to death by her own dad talked about the dance of dragons like she gave a whole little accounting of like this, this war happened and um it was mm-hmm. really bad the dragons have recovered yep. like are we saying they were seeding something back then I would guess no I would guess they were just kind of using it yeah. to illustrate um a bit yeah and i think they did the same with nymeria you don't have to like see daggers in every shadow daniel like not everything is a seed not everything is trying to get you i'm sorry i've been living in in the marvel in today's television landscape with marvel and star wars my brain is trained to think this way (laughs) it's not me it's the times keep it out keep it out of my game of thrones but um yeah i mean i mean also but, but also possibly 
I mean, like fully, I have no idea, but I'm just saying just because it's there doesn't mean it's like a setup. Yeah. I don't think it's a setup, but when they release that 10,000 ships show, they're going to be giving you the wink there and people are going to share memes of Rhaenyra and say, oh, 10,000 sure. ships yes. and it will look different. The <laughs> memes will definitely be shared. All right. And by the way, before we move on, Jay, I agree with you I'm on YouTube saying he thinks that because of the Civil War, the knowledge of the Song of Respite was lost or anyone never told Aegon Three about it. I agree with you. And I think it was rediscovered at some point. And we might see that if like a Dunkin' Egg show, but we'll get to that when we get to that. Yeah, I'm so curious about that. I'm just so curious about that. I have theories. I can't wait until we see more of the show so we can start really deep diving that idea. And uh, thanks, Christine. For, and Christine, you're fine. I get you. Um, and as Nicole says, I'm fine. Multiple stones in the Game of Thrones universe, but I don't need them all to connect. Yes. Or build upon each other. Yes. I agree with that totally. too. I just want this show to be good. I'm the focus on it. I don't want anything yeah. else. Not for a while. That's what I want. And we'll see if I get it as sure. we go on. Let's turn pivot a bit to um, House of the Dragon's main rival. So House of the Dragon has come out. It is it is at least based on the first episode, a hit. People really seem to like it. We'll see if that continues. And it's, it's strange because Amazon is releasing the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power, this big new Lord of the Rings show in literally... I mean, is it a week and a half now? Yeah, it's like yeah, um, next, a next little Friday. over a week next Friday. And they are fighting to get heard. They are fighting to get seen. And I feel a little bad for them because they spent so much money on it. And it doesn't seem to be, I mean, you know, again, Jeff Bezos reached under his car seat <laughs> and pulled out a couple billion dollars and spent it. Is it just me or does hype for that show not seem to be breaking through? Because I see them like having all these magazine covers and they released a trailer. We're going to watch in a second, but I don't feel like people are really amped about this the way they were and now are about house of the dragon. Yeah. Well, I think it's tricky. I totally agree with you. I think the main reaction that I have heard seen pretty much everywhere is some variation of I'm cautiously interested (laughs) in this show. Um, I, you know, I want to see if it will be a horrible train wreck or I hope it's not awful and maybe it will be good. I haven't seen anyone really being like, this looks amazing. I can't wait. I think visually it's, it looks stunning, but they've kind of leaned on that because you're right. There are lots of magazine covers. There's this new trailer, which they happen to release like two days after the house of the dragon premiere after Jeff Bezos crashed the fire sticks. He put out (laughs) uh, a new trailer for his Bezos went down to the server bay personally in the Amazon basement and was yanking wires out of walls, making sure it did not work on Sunday night. Yeah, that's right. It's like that scene at the end of Free Guy where Taika Waititi is going through the (laughs) server room with an axe. It was like that. Yeah. So I, I think part of the problem for me, at least, because I keep wanting to get more hyped about this show, just like on premise, like it's new Lord of the Rings. I'm intrigued. I hope it's not bad. Sure. Um, But every time they're not really telling us anything about this show, like it's in the second age, you should get excited about that. Mm -hmm. We're going to see a different era of this world, but like (laughs) house of the dragons trailers, basically, if you go back and watch them, they pretty much tell you the story of the season in the trailer. It's like, here are these characters. She's going to be the heir. There's going to be a war for succession. Knives are going to come out. She's going to be contested. Like they basically lay out what the plot of the season is in, in subtle ways. And I think Rings of Power, if it's doing that, it's too subtle because I, <laughs> I have no idea what, 
like presumably it's going to be darkness rising in the land again and eventually Sauron going and taking a vacation on Numenor and being a really bad house guest. (laughs) It's five seasons, I think, that show. So who knows when we'll even get there? Like, what is the plot of season one? I couldn't tell you. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. I'm. That's a really good point. (laughs) I hadn't thought about it, but, um, you know, that's a great segue. Why don't we watch the new trailer released the other day and uh, see if we can see what you're talking about. Yeah. Here it goes. The Rings of Power. Right. Giant, expensive, amazing television show. Look at all those people. Look, look at all yeah. those moshers. So They're just like going over there. Wrath. Probably. Uh, ooh, the war, I, mean, I mean, the War of Wrath, a big deal in the Lord of the Rings mythology. That's kind of cool. I could get into yeah. that. Yeah, totally. Me too. And I... So I'm pretty sure this seems to be the way the trailer is laying this out. So, hey, maybe they're telling us a little bit of the story that maybe that's Galadriel's brother because there's a corpse in the next scene where she's standing over her brother's corpse and it looks kind of like this dude. So maybe it's going to start showing us the War of Wrath and her brother dying in brutal orcish death. Um, I'm sure she had a brother. I don't remember. Maladriel. We want (laughs) to. Let's carry on. Okay. Yeah, I don't remember either. I have to read the Silmarillion before this. But I mean, like, show I'm sure aired. it's pretty. Even okay, so again, it, you're right. Yeah, it's very it nice. Is. Okay, but I mean, you're right. It, it, it's very grand and epic, which it looks like. I love that shot of 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 Numenor, uh, Galadriel yeah, looking too. kind of um cosplayable in her elf armor. It's nice. That's I mean, right. okay, just pa- pause it on the swoopy little fluttery um petal falling around the guy with the beard, but not the tiny guy with the beard. Guy. I mean, you're right. It looks so good. So that's Numenor. It's the island nation yeah. of Numenor where the long-lived built. race of supermen live. What's that? They built a lot of this set. There's a lot of practical stuff on the Numenor set, kind of kind of like Hobbiton for the shot. Right. Yeah. It, it looks beautiful. Um, and I'd like to live there. But I guess you're right. I never thought of it like that, but I think you're right. I guess I don't really... It's a guy with a beard, and I don't know who he is or what he wants. Whereas in the House Dragon trailers, this is, this is a good insight, Daniel. I did. They were kind of pointing <laughs> out, she's the heir contest it and that's like and that's the problem okay continue but yeah. i do like the way it looks yeah so, so soft that, i feel like that's the consensus. we got some dwarves it looks real good we got a dwarf we got another bearded man different bearded man he's in the ship or something i don't know what they're saying oh look we have hobbits is playing to the rivers and we have oh can we pause on that white hooded person the person with the white hood so that's you know the what? person everyone thought was sauron is this actor right here it's not sauron or Eminem. It kind of looks like um, Sinead O'Connor from this angle. Yeah, but she still looks like she's up to no good. So yeah, presumably clearly. connected to Sauron in some way. I like her staff. Clearly. Yeah, staff. Like cool. a little cage. But yeah, work, lady. Get your life. Work. Okay, continue. Oh my God, you said work. <laughs> Beautiful rivers. Oh, then we have our um, Comet Man. Oops. What the hell are those? The wargs yeah, are pretty like, cool. Beautiful shots of people standing in lovely rooms which I do enjoy. And it looks like, yeah. I will say, you know what's kind of cool? I'll find a good place to pause on and then I'll uh, give my little spiel. Not that, it's a boat. I know what a boat Dude. looks like. Uh, no, 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 keep going. No, that's fine. Galadriel's talking. That's a dwarf and the dwarf couple. There we go. That's pretty, pause on that. How pretty. Dwarf. You know what's interesting about the House of the Dragon versus Lord of the Rings comparison is that Tell me. The Rings of Power seems to be kind of going for what Game of Thrones was in terms of 
huge sprawl, characters everywhere, all over the map. You know, we're seeing people on Numenor and we're seeing Galadriel and the elves and we're seeing the hobbitses scampered around in their little dresses in the rivers and such and the grasslands. And, you know, we're seeing all, we're seeing, we're seeing the Sinead O'Connor Eminem um, person who's going to be wicked. Like all these kind of disparate stories, which is sort of mm-hmm. what Game of Thrones did so well. And I've picked up on it. But then the actual Game of Thrones follow-up is much more focused on one family in one place. And then this kind of yeah. post-Game of Thrones show is doing the Game of Thrones thing. And maybe it's passe by this point. We'll see. I, I think, man, I don't know if it's passe. I, I'm biased because I, that's like my favorite type of, of yeah, fantasy too, story is the kind of characters all over the map and seeing how they'll crisscross. Mm-hmm. I think the thing that concerns me is that Lord of the Rings, you know, Tolkien's work isn't really that. That's um, true. Like, like The Hobbit is, a, again, it's a very focused book. It's just Bilbo. Right. Lord of the Rings is a lot more focused. We've got people ar- around the map, but it's not like Game of Thrones where you're hopping POVs to do. You're not hopping around. It's like segments. And then the movies kind of split, slice them together more. But you're so familiar with characters by that point. This yeah. seems to yeah. have a sprawl of seemingly rando characters all over <laughs> the place all. with no real yeah not all randos like galadriel we know elrond we and know elrond, we're gonna know and, you know we we know some of the numenorian guys at least from from the old books yeah. we know um is he, is yeah, he yep our far is on and we've got harfoots we've got a comet man it just seems like there's a dwarves. lot there are a lot yes. of plot threads going on and that makes me wonder again again just what what the actual story is because it seems from what we've seen like just a ton of little stories and i'm not sure how they're all going to matter to each other aside from maybe the philosophical evil rising in the land here's a challenge for everybody watching we're watching this trailer what do you think the story is based on this trailer leave your comments (laughs) below okay continue yeah waterfalls we got waterfalls down rocks I kept looking for a good thing to say. It's, nice. it's a lot of landscapes. Damn, they're, they're really going Gorgeous. for that. I like that guy's beard. I think it's neat. Yeah. We have pretty Rivendell. We have pretty Gladville. We've got just in the wind going like, ooh, great um, poster <laughs> hair. Gotta love that. Yeah. It, it. I mean, the crowd work is great. Oh, I like the um, elves at dinner. So, okay, pause on um, the little tiny Harfoot giving the apple to the mysterious bearded man. I mean, I am intrigued by this because it's apparent. So I know Lord of the Rings lore pretty well. We've talked about this that, I mean, there weren't, we never really talked with the Harfoots or the Hobbits in the second age, but I know Numenor, I know Elrond and I know Galadriel and I know Sauron, even like the dwarves are like going to be in Moria at its height. Like that's, that's all in the book. A man who crashes cool. to Middle Earth in a comet and befriends a hobbit. That's new. That's yeah. something I do not know. So I am kind of intrigued by that. Their hearts are bigger than their feet. So they're good at making friends. Uh, is yeah, what I hear. that line. It's I'll give it a pass. Yeah, we can let that one ride. So I I think it might have been you that told me you heard this fan theory that maybe this guy's Tom Bombadil. This, well, this person who crashed down to the sky. <laughs> well, yeah, it probably is. I like they wouldn't be that foolish. That is, yeah. Yeah, I was like, is that hubris? I don't know what that is. If you're going to retcon an origin story for Tom Bombadil, and Tom um, Bombadil's been there yeah. since before. It's like way longer than that. There you go. You know the Lord Maybe of the Rings. But I, I, I am intrigued. But okay, continue. 
Yeah. What else we got in here? And remember, what is the story the way you see it? She gave him an apple. That's a story right there. Ah, uh, hot, so bigger than a feet. That looks great. What is that supposed to be? Some kind of like sea dragon? I don't really know that. I don't know, but I like oh, it. Mist on the hill. Can't beat it. I mean, land hills are pretty. Rivers are pretty. I'm not Misty denying mountains. this. Oh, Misty Mountain's quite possible. We got beaches. Don't forget beaches. That's a landscape too. We got trolls. Yep. We got Galadriel running. We got another bigger troll. <gasps> oh, snowy mountains. We got Misty Mountains and snowy mountains. We got Galadriel climbing mountains. Will she climb the other kind? We don't know yet. We're going to find out. We got young Ned Stark Elrond, being Elrond. Why you got to climb so many mountains? And then we have climb this kind of matrixy shot. Yeah, I agree. It's just not exciting me hugely. And I am curious, though, to see what they do with it. And I'll be watching. And Amazon, if you're watching, we will guarantee you a good review if you give us screeners. Or something like that. Yeah. Hey, Jeff. Well, <laughs> hi, Jeff. Yeah, thanks for tuning in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, well, of course, we're both going to watch this thing. Like, oh, yeah. you can't not watch. Watch it. It's going to be one of the biggest fantasy shows of the year. That's not to say it will be one of the best because it's just too early to tell. Because the Sandman and House of the Dragon don't already come out. The competition's fierce right now. The Sandman's great. I still have two episodes left. I'm so psyched for the Dream of a Thousand Cats. Yeah, it's a fun one. Can I ask you, what did you think of the song in this trailer? We we couldn't really hear remember it. it. <laughs> okay, that's fair. It's like so something that baffles me with this show, with all of its marketing about how grand and glorious it is. It's the Lord of the Rings. So they have Bear McCreary doing the Uh music. Who you love. The best composers, whom I love for good reason. Lots of people love him. It's not just me. He's Outlander. (laughs) He did Battlestar Galactica. He's done so many amazing projects. Black Sails. I wasn't going to say it this time. Yeah, Black Sails. Um, They chose some random pop song for this. I feel like they're totally not. They're underselling the fact that they have one of the best composers in Hollywood working on this show. They've mentioned it like once. And I feel his music is going (laughs) to elevate. Like it it at least moves up a half letter grade just because he's doing the music. Cool. That's how good he is at what he does. But yeah, I... I, they're making choices, man. I, I'm skeptical, but I hope it's okay. I mean, like Game of Thrones had pop songs in its trailer. It had, it had like those dirge-like covers, remember, of like, um, I don't want to fall in love. Yeah, stuff like that. Those yeah. more or less. I didn't like I love Nicole's either, comment. Oh, I thought that was kind of fun. Actually, I kind of liked them. Uh, as Nicole comment, Bear Flare. Love that. Should make that a thing. Yeah. Hashtag that. Spread it around. Excellent. Um, I'm telling you, it's so, not just me. And he did The Walking guess, Dead, too. Terry's right. Guy gets around. There are like, like composers, they like Hollywood, like chooses 10 and just they just cycle them always like John Williams, Barry yeah. McCreary, Raman Jawadi is now kind of so part awesome. of that little crew with Westworld, Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon, and everything like that. Yep. There's like um, an upper echelon of the TV composers. There is. I hope Sarah Stackner gets in there now. She did Prey. She did Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I'm crossing my fingers for her. She deserves it. She does good st- good work. You go, Sarah. So I guess as far as, as, as Rings of Power is concerned, it sounds like we're in a kind of in a rough agreement that, um, <laughs> hey, Sandra, we, we, we we will later. Nice to see you it, too, Sandra. It kind of sounds like uh, <laughs> we're interested and we're, we're going to watch it, but yeah. there's something that is keeping me from getting fully amped about it. And maybe it'll all clear up when I actually see it. And I'm looking forward to doing that and seeing what it's like. Yeah. Oh, so Martha right here saying, I was hoping for a new intro song for House of the Dragon. Ooh. Um, there is going to be an intro starting this week. Um, yes. So they kept it back from the premiere because... 
they felt like it would be overkill to do a prologue and then an intro and then get us into the show. Mm-hmm. I'm curious what it sounds like. I've not heard it. So too, we'll all neither. find out. Together. I'm curious too. Yeah. On Sunday, we will know when you know what the intro song is like. I hope it's okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm curious about that. Beyond that, Daniel, anything else you're, you're, you're watching uh, when you're coming, when you're not watching house of the dragon? Um, I mean, I've watched the house of the dragon premiere like four times. So what, who has time to watch other things? Uh, um, no, but I've been watching Shield. I, I have enjoyed the one episode I think I've seen of that quite a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, it's Marvel, but I think it's really fun. I'm partial to the Hulk anyway, and I think they're playing up the comedy really well, as well as doing some great commentary. The first one of the first times Jen Walters hulks out is when dudes are catcalling her, and there's kind of That's some cute. commentary on that type of female experience quite a lot in the show, which is refreshing to see kind of tackled so head on. So I'm liking it a lot. You've seen the premiere too, right? I did, and by the way. Everyone out there, let us know what you're watching. And if you watch this, let us know what you thought of it. I did. I thought it was. And I'll be honest, like I watched it while fully like doing dishes and folding laundry and that kind of thing. But I watched it. I put it on. Okay. Okay. I mean, look, what am I going to say? I didn't laugh once. I thought it was competent. It pulled me along. I thought it was a little obvious in terms of the, I'm not going to go, you know, give this a um, genius grant for insights into feminism. It seemed a little surface to me, but, and I didn't really laugh. So I thought it was fine. I thought it was fine. I thought it was fine. It was fine. Okay. That's fair. Man, I I laughed so much, but that's fair. We all have our own things. What made you laugh? Can I ask? Was it like one joke that hit you? No, no. I laughed throughout it. I laughed quite a lot. I can't remember specific things. Um, I think so She-Hulk, I will just say this for it because all of the Marvel shows are a little different and I have super Marvel burnout. Mm-hmm. Um, She-Hulk is the first time I have rewatched an episode really? of a Marvel right, cool. show since I want to say Loki maybe yeah. was the last time I rewatched an episode of one. So that kind of says something like the last time I had the urge to even rewatch an episode of one. So that, is nice. that says something at least in terms of my enjoyment, but uh, you know, everyone's going to feel differently about these Marvel shows. I will. Okay. Actually, I know, I know my favorite bit. Uh, my favorite bit that I did crack a smile at was when Jamila Jamil, who plays Tati, Tatania, whatever Jamila Jamil from the good place came in and did like a flying kick across the courtroom. And you could tell she was on kind of wires. It was kind of like tilted. I thought that was cute. Yeah. And that was about as fun as it got for me. Like, I don't know. Like, oh, Captain America, he then bleeps it out. Like, okay. Uh, There were just a lot of little things. Like I love when she starts getting angry when she, when she's in the basement of Bruce's little bungalow, Uh, she starts getting mad Mm. and he gives her pancakes. It's like she's getting hangry. There were just lots of little things like that that I enjoyed. But yeah, it's fair. Different, different strokes. Different strokes. I, I, I really got to enjoy it. I'll keep watching because I'm curious. Um, as Terry says, she's great in Orphan Black. And I like Christine's comment. And Nicole agrees with me. Didn't love it that much. Although I, I didn't hate it. I thought it was cool. I'll keep watching. Christine has a good comment that I kind of agree with. Just speaking of Marvel and Star Wars and stuff. She says that Andor seems better than Boba and Obi-Wan. Andor being a new Star Wars show coming up. Yeah. I do find myself weirdly liking what they've shown off so far. Which I did not think would happen. How about you, Daniel? Are you like looking? 
looking at Andor and being intrigued or just underwhelmed or what? I mean, I still think the idea yeah, yeah, <laughs> Andor is a show it. where I was like, it, yeah, I think the, the premise of we're going to do a whole show about this character Andor, um, that that's a hard sell for me. But at the uh-huh. same time, I think so. This is the same person who did Rogue One is doing Andor. And I think there's yeah. just a like a unity of the vision to this thing that like Boba Fett felt like it was really there just to service the Mandalorian yes, pretty much. And because Disney knows Boba Fett's one of like the, you know, silver Golden bullets children. in Lucas films. Yeah. Like you can always sell more Boba Fett toys. Basically, yes, it doesn't matter how much time has gone by. And Obi-Wan, I wanted to like so bad and I like things about it, but I think generally it was not as tight of a show as I was hoping it would be. Andor seems like it could be the opposite. Like Obi-Wan had a great premise, like great premise mm-hmm. that they're bringing back Obi-Wan and fleshing out his you know, dark years on Tatooine that it, but the, the concept was good, but the execution left something to be desired. I feel like Andor is almost the opposite where it's like, I could care less about Cassie and Andor, but it looks like yeah, the I'm, vision I'm, I'm and the folks behind this thing is so well done that it might end up being pretty good. I have a feeling Andor is going to be the surprise Star Wars MVP of the year, honestly. It's making me really curious. Maybe we can argue that um, because the idea is so lame, he must have had <laughs> the greatest premise and pitch in the world to actually get it made. But yeah. I mean, it doesn't really hold up because Disney seems to just make anything Star yet. Wars. Yeah, like they're doing two seasons, they're doing live they're going all in. Yeah, I'm cautiously intrigued. Episodes. Anyway, um, I'm also watching Better Call Saul, finishing that up. And I, I started up Abbott Elementary, that sitcom by the Elementary School, which is, which is quite charming and nice. Anything else, Danny, you want to say we watch before cool. we move on to our final segment? I don't know that I've really, uh, aside from that, The Sandman is the other thing I've been watching. Watch The ah. Sandman if you haven't. Give Netflix more reasons to make another season. I've been loving it. Um, mm. Episode six is still my favorite, I think. Oh, yeah, it um, is. It's the best one. Episode six, there's something to be said for the Sandman because as sweeping and huge as some of the episodes and stories are, it also has standalone episodes, which is something mm-hmm. I know they did in the comics, but not many shows do that anymore, especially in this like yeah. episodic space where it's like you're either very episodic, like the Orville, like every episode is its own contained thing, or you're the total opposite of that and it's a long-running narrative like game of thrones and it's interesting to me that the sandman is in the middle so it's got running narratives but then it's got things like episode six where it's like that's just a beautiful hour of television like i'd show it Mm -hmm. to an old person and be like watch this hour of television it's beautiful and you'll appreciate it and you don't need to know anything about this show you'd show the (laughs) one where death goes around telling old people their lives are over to the old person (laughs) she tells one old person and then younger people but yeah because it's a human experience thing right like that's what makes it so beautiful everyone can relate to the things that are happening in that episode because death is a relevant thing for all all people Uh except the ones who live in numenor who can't accept it so yeah i (laughs) yes i think the sandman's great (laughs) but that's it that's what i've been watching I feel like if I were an old person, I'd be like, what are you trying to say? Like, I'm vital. I said what's about me. You're already in the will. Like, you yeah. can back off. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying I'm going to put it on and then slowly, like, pass over a violin when they're not paying attention and tell them <laughs> it's time to start playing. But the, the point I was trying to make with that is just, 
it's something that would appeal to people who might not be into a show like Sandman in the first place because the concepts of that episode are broad and accessible in a way that a lot of the rest of the show is not quite as accessible as a scene in more Byzantine. Yeah. Yeah, It was a beautiful hour TV. I liked it a lot. I think that's just fascinating because not many shows could pull that off. And if it, if it comes back, you can expect more of that good stuff. The Sandman is so far my favorite thing I've seen this year. Although you've seen the Orville. I haven't watched it over the horizons. Although I am watching the Orville and I am liking it. Um, the nice. first season, I'm still on it. So we'll, so, so we'll see how that goes. All right, Daniel, shall we play um, a round of the Wick News lightning round? Let's do it. All right. I think it's time for the world famous lightning round. This is the game where we go over news stories. We didn't have enough time to kind of fit into the main show and give our 20 second takes. And we're going to try and do it um, pretty effectively because we're coming up on time here. I did not organize these at all. So we're just going to go into it and see uh, what happens. Oh, um, ask me this one first. Uh, Let me ask you this first one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, So Netflix release because you broke this news and put them on the spot. They released a whole new episode of The Sandman early. They did. So Netflix fully released an 11th episode of The Sandman last Friday because they accidentally leaked part of it. And I was on it. At the, I mean, that part's not true. It wasn't because of me. But yeah, it's just really cool. Yeah. That's very rare. They made a whole extra episode and then they held it back for like two weeks and then they released it. And it was just fun to see another Sandman. I, I really liked it. And that was just really cool of them. So that was fun. I hope it comes back. Totally. Please, 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 please come back. All right. Daniel, Netflix, Netflix is overhauling its Witcher prequel Blood Origin. They're cutting it from six episodes to four, yeah. and they're including more Jaskier the Bard. Yeah, so talk about cinematic universes going awry. Um, they're cutting the Witcher Blood Origin from six episodes <laughs> to four reportedly because there was some weak material in the middle of the show. That's what's being reported. Um, they're including more Yaskir, which would be a framing story because this is a prequel set thousands of years earlier. We'll have to see on this one. The, the tea leaves aren't looking great. It's an odd one. All right. Yeah. It's coming out this year too. At some point. I mean, that's what they say. We'll see. That's <laughs> it's true. All right. Uh, so this is another really cool one. I shouted when this happened uh, during the house of the dragon premiere. So oh. HBO revealed its first real footage from a, Yes. the last of us based on the popular video game series and i mean like it's a quick clip like that's just you know pedro pascal glowering it's it's barely um yeah. last of us very popular video game zombie stuff hbo making it could be very very cool because it's a great story and hbo will apply that little polish to it i'm looking forward to it pedro pascal's great brother ramsey's great as joel and ellie i will watch it i like it bring it on perfect love it when it works out nice Okay. Um, I will ask this next one because I think you know it. And I think I know the other one better. Daniel, a proposed reboot of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, uh, proposed by Joss Whedon, is on pause, which probably means it's not going to happen. Okay. So yeah, I don't know the the real. I don't know the T for this one. Um, so I will just say they're they're making a Buffy the Vampire Slayer reboot. That sounds like a weird choice to me. And apparently yeah, it now does. it's on pause. And that means it's likely not coming back because usually pause is code for it's in development mm-hmm. hell. Um, we'll see if anything changes, but it's kind of safest to assume it's dead or otherwise. For the best. Yeah. Okay, so you want me to ask you about some dragons and some dungeons? Um, 
on right. this show? I guess, sure. Maybe. Okay, so 1D&D is the next phase of Dungeons & Dragons. It's a new thing that is being put out by Wizards of the Coast. And what is it? Well, I mean, I don't even know. I mean, like, Dungeons & Dragons is a very popular role-playing game, role-playing game, blew up during the pandemic a lot. And, you know, mm-hmm. they release these new editions every so often, and they're going to do one that makes it a lot easier to play digitally, like what we're doing during the pandemic. This is like a basically 40-year-old institution by this point. It's cool that they're doing it, so they're still evolving it. Good for of the Coast, good for Dungeons & Dragons, long may it uh, rain. Okay, uh, Daniel, <laughs> I, I can't think of a good word. Oh, here, here's some other fun stuff. HBO Max gets rid of more animated shows, including a high-profile Batman series called Batman Cape Crusader, although that one is just being kicked off HBO Max. It will still air on, like, Cartoon Network or something. Yeah, so HBO Max, the new CEO, David Zaslav, is just on a crusade uh, against capes, getting rid of things all over the place. The Batman thing is really shocking because it was a follow-up to Batman the Animated Series, which is, like, one of the biggest gold standard animated superhero shows. It had the original creator, Matt Reeves and J.J. Abrams attached. And they were just like, no thanks. It's weird over there. (laughs) Weird choices at HBO. This isn't, so this isn't lightning round, but did you see that they lost like a a ton of, they lost like billions of market capital, I guess, this week? I did see that, yeah. I mean, that's shocking, right? I mean, they've been horrible press. And the stock market is just like a barometer of the feelings of very rich hedge fund managers. So it doesn't really mean anything. So I'm not, I'm not surprised they could be swayed by bad news like this. But I mean, like, I don't trust that stuff. Stock markets go up like one day and down the next day. It's, it's based on the dumbest stuff. So they lost a lot, but who knows what it'll be in like three minutes. <laughs> All right. Uh, All right. Let's, let's keep going with the lightning round because I nice. definitely missed some of those insights. I'm a little sad about it. Um, <laughs> they were so good. Okay. So Disney Plus is making a live action King Kong series. How excited are you? Not very. I mean, kind of curious because I thought King Kong was like a universal thing. So Disney it Plus is going to have like a King Kong TV show about like his origin story on Skull Island. I don't really care King Kong generally, but just I, I'm more interested. I mean, it, it could be good. And just the the rights diffusal. So apparently they're allowed to do that, but Universal has these yeah. monster things going on at the same time. And Apple TV Plus is going to have a series about kaijus. I don't know how it's happening, but it's going on. And finally, the last thing of the day, Daniel Telltale Games, behind the Lord of the, I'm sorry, uh, the Game of Thrones games, Walking Dead games, is making a video game series based on The Expanse, the popular sci-fi show that you like. I do. I do indeed. And I think that's exciting. It seems like a great fit for Telltale Games style, which is really narrative-driven, forcing players to make choices about who to murder and other difficult things. Um, The game will be exploring the early years of Kamina Drummer and the actor Kara G, who played her on the show, came back to voice her for the game. So I think that's fun. I'm curious. I might give it a shot when it comes out. Nice. Those games are kind of interesting. I never really played a, 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 a Telltale game, but I was always intrigued by like the kind of branching story stuff they do. I could, I guess, want to give it a shot. All right. But I played. We'll talk about one of the that. early Game of Thrones ones. Mm-hmm. I played one of the early Game of Thrones ones, and it it was fun. Um, I think they've gotten better though at what they do. Nice since then. Yeah. 
we'll have to talk about it more um, next week because we are here every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Central Standard Time on the Winners Coming Facebook page and the Winners Coming YouTube page to talk all things fantasy, sci-fi, movies, television. And we're doing special House of the Dragon after shows after every new episode of House of the Dragon. We are going to break it down in detail for you at yes. 9.30 p.m. Central Standard Time right at the same places, the WIC Facebook page, the WIC YouTube page. We're also on TikTok, the WIC talk, if you will. If you want to go subscribe to us there. I mean, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're everywhere. And we're also available in podcast form, this podcast, wherever podcasts are downloadable, whether it be Google Play, iTunes, or anywhere else. So thanks for watching. See you again soon, either on Sunday, Wednesday, or both. And just a reminder, Jeff Bezos, if you're watching, we will give your show a perfect 10 if you just give us screeners to Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power. Thank you and good night. This podcast is brought to you by Fansighted. Join our community of over 300 sites from sports to pop culture and everything in between. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.